This is No Ball Podcast, a podcast where I, Scott Hill, alongside my good friend Ben Stacy, chat all things Premier and Champions League football. While we may not be experts, we do certainly know ball. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back, one and all, to another episode of No Ball Podcast. This is season two, episode 11. We are into fully the 2022-23 Premier League season. As always, I'm your host, joined by my good friend Ben Stacy. We have a stacked episode for you today. Lots on the docket. We're going to just dive right into it. But first, I got to hear from him. Got to hear from the man of the hour. How are you doing today? Dude, I'm doing good. Um, I'm buzzing after game week two. Um, like, dude, just wow, what a weekend. And th- I have to say it, this was – this was a super entertaining start to the season and just week two. Uh, and I mean, like everyone's probably saying that and everyone says it every year, but truly dude, like what a start. This was madness. We, you got everything this weekend or this uh, last weekend. So uh, dude, I'm so pumped for this episode. Yeah. I'm psyched too. It really feels like aside from Man City at the moment, it feels like everybody's basically on a level playing field and there's so many different storylines and all this stuff weaving in together. Mm-hmm. A lot to get into. Uh, I think we're going to start off real quick with just some transfer, little roundup. We're still, the transfer window's still open. Team's still looking to make some moves. Um, as we know, Brentford did lose Christian Eriksen to play center defensive mid for Man United for some reason. Um, he decided he wanted to go there. But they did pick up Mikhail Damsgaard, who was on a lot of people's radar after the previous Euros. He scored a couple bangers. Looked like a real tidy, nice little player. Uh, he's going to end up at Brentford, who uh, have seemed to gain a good amount of pull, even a pretty small club. Rage Bill is super small. Uh, it seems like they're able to pick up some solid signings. What do you think about this signing, though? Uh, I like it a lot. It's a, you know, they pick up a Dane for a Dane. So mm-hmm. it was a nice little um, switch there. I, I think... The nice thing about, you know, Damsgaard is, is that he's not, well, 129, and he has a lot to prove. And he did that on one of the biggest stages in the Euros. And Brentford, you know, a team that not everyone was super high on uh, coming into, you know, this season. They thought it would be like, what was it? A um, little it sophomore me? slump. Yeah, sophomore slump. And, like, they like there were some people that even had him getting relegated. I don't see that in this team. And they just keep getting better. I mean, Ben Mee, another, like, sneaky, like, good signing. You know, he's always been a very, like, strong defender. And, like, to add Damsgaard to a team that, I mean, I think could add a little bit um, to their midfield as far as, like, ball placement and, like, getting the ball moving forward and and just an overall attacker from the midfield. I mean, De Silva, in the last few weeks here, he's been looking good. But I think just adding another element to that midfield, the number, like, 8, 10, could even play on the left flank. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he'll be very nice to rotate in. I think eventually become a starter. I think you'll start seeing him in the starting 11, um, if not next week, but very soon. Yeah, I'm definitely with you there. I love this signing. He's somebody that I want. You know, he's these like new age sort of 10s where they work super hard off the ball, super smart, high IQ player, mm-hmm. gets around the field really well, glides with the ball, pretty much everything you want. And like you said, hit the nail on the head with it. He adds a good amount of technicality to a team that 
has already an insane amount of physicality. And I think that he's just going to add a little bit of a different element. <clears throat> Thomas Frank has a lot at his disposal this season. Um, if this team can stay healthy, it looks like he's going to have a lot to work with. And, and I'm just happy for him because he's a real quality manager. And I think that's a good signing all in all. Yeah, definitely. And I, I see this team. I mean, once they have a few, I think this team is here to stay. I yeah. feel like once they have a few more good seasons, it's going to be like a Bournemouth situation. Um, not to like that small of like structure, like as a, as a club. Right. But I feel like at some point teams are going to start picking this team apart and they're like, is, are they going to have that pool later on? That's this team true. is definitely here to stay in the prem. Yep. Right on. I think um, on the flip side of that, a team who might not have a clue what's going on. Uh, that's been in the transfer news here, and that's United. Um, we're we're recording this on uh, Wednesday after game week two. We're a little late on it; just been uh, hard to find a time to record. But mm-hmm. when we were writing the outline, you know, names like Arnautovic, uh, Rabio, names like that were getting thrown around, and that just to me screams a team who lost their first two games and feels like they need to add some sort of power. But I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a story that came out that part of the reason why the Arnautovic deal specifically didn't go through was because of fan outrage. I don't know how much I completely believe that, but then on the Rabio side, his wage demands were too high. But what do you think about the situation over there, United? Do you think they're going to be able to get anybody over the line? Is there <laughs> anybody left that can truly impact this team in a positive way with how things are right now? It's looking grim, dude. Um, Man, they're, I think they're looking at Casemiro now. I've, I saw on Twitter they were looking at Zhao Felix, and they said that there was a report for a $130 million bid for him. And it said Atletico um, Madrid denied it, or, you know, like denied the, the offer, but then United denied the claims that they were even going for him. I mean, Casemiro would 100% bolster that midfield. Like, just one player, and – I think he would be worth every penny that they throw at him. Um, I was a little confused with the Frankie de Jong saga, how that's going on. Now they're um, looking for Christian Pulzovic. I mean, he <laughs> – I don't know, on a loan deal, I, I think Christian Pulisic needs to find, like, some playing time, especially before the World Cup. Yeah. You know, and for for us, just our sake as, you know, USA, you know, bias – I mean, he needs to play like he's got to find a bit of form somewhere. And so if, if he's starting, you know, full on over Marcus Rashford and gets quality minutes, you know, I, I want to see it. But other than that, this team has they're just looking and they're, they're crying for an outlet like someone, please help us. And yeah. it's, it's going to take time. And yeah, Eric Ten Hag, I mean, wow, what a way to start your first two weeks at Manchester United. And yeah, seriously, it's just what everyone, you know, Ragnit has like has said it, and like you know, Jose Mourinho was like his his biggest accomplish ever was getting United in second place. Like those managers, like, he might have been but, onto something, man. He yeah, really might have been. Yeah, no, for real. And it's just the state of the club. It's it's just sad. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, it's kind of funny, though, at the same time. But mm-hmm. I really thought all the way back, you know, when was it? It was probably like April, May. They appointed Eric Ten Hag, or they were talking about appointing him. I was like, okay, a young, you know, slightly unproven but super promising manager. I think they're going to go full rebuild here. And, you know, they started getting linked to names like 
De Jong, um, Anthony out of IX, uh, Lissandra Martinez, who they picked up. And I was like, okay, they're going young. They're rebuilding the core. Like, this is good. This is, mm-hmm. this is how you rebuild a team at this point. Because United simply don't have the squad to bring in two or three Galacticos-type settings anymore in a window and then have success, especially yeah. when they're competing with City <laughs> and to a lesser degree Liverpool year in, year out. Like, this needs to be a long-term rebuild like we saw with Arsenal. But then, you know, as the summer went on, De Jong wasn't working out. None of this was working out. They signed a younger left-back who I liked. And then uh, the season starts. Things are looking a little bit grim still. And then they get the first two results. We're going to get into the second result a little bit later in the episode. Mm -hmm. And immediately, the board just goes back to what they've been doing for the last four seasons – panic signing you know 30 year olds to some crazy wages in the hopes that they're they can you know stay in top four stay relevant but it's not going to get them anywhere in the long run at this point Mm -hmm. like Arnautovic is a solid striker don't get me wrong but what does he do for your squad that puts you where you want to be like United want to be in the title race and they're they have never been farther in my opinion than right now and Mm -hmm. I just don't see any sort of vision i know that ronaldo wants out and at this point i think the club said it's fine if they can get a suitor that will pay for him but sporting sporting came in his old club in portugal and said we'd love to have him back on a free and united are like no that's not happening and then you know he is going to be kicking up a fuss all season i'm sure if he stays and it's just bad scenes bad times for united right now yeah, and it's crazy to think that not even a year ago we were saying this team can push for the title race yeah. after they signed Ronaldo. And just crazy how short of time that really is just for, like, a team base. Like, it took Arsenal four or five years to really come back around. Yeah. And, you know, this is just the start of it. And it's looking very – like, I don't know if this is the worst of it yet. And yeah. This could get worse. No, it could, 100%. But... Other than that, because this is I, the I team like... playing with a new manager bounce. Like this is a new manager. Yeah. These is his first two games in charge. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they won the Bangkok Thailand Trophy against Liverpool four 0 Like, that was the best thing that's happened to them in a few years. <laughs> like, it's just not. Yeah, I don't see where they go from here. And then at the yeah. same time, like, maybe it'll all work out. You never know. That's what's awesome mm-hmm. about football. Is is these first two results could mean nothing at the end of the season when they're fourth. Like we just don't yeah, know. Exactly. Um, I guess we'll get back into them a little bit more. Yeah. I think last little bit of transfer relevant news right now is going to be Chelsea just because they're in a similar boat. Obviously not as, um, as desperate Drastic. as United, but they definitely are lacking in the attacking front right now. I think um, Koulibaly scored for them. I'm not even sure if any of their attackers have scored yet this year, actually, because it was Reese James, too. But either way, they're looking for a new number nine. As we know, Lukaku, they basically paid $100 million for a one-year loan to enter. Uh, Didn't work out. Now they're offloading some of their squad players, looking for some new people to come in. The big one at the moment that seems the most realistic is Aubameyang, unfortunately, for Arsenal fans. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a sour taste in my mouth, personally, if I was an Arsenal fan, seeing as he was captain for a year or whatever. But do you think Aubameyang does anything for Chelsea? Do you think he adds anything they don't have, or or what do you see there? I think he still like adds a dynamic um, to the side. 
it's just and I think Chelsea has more quality going forward overall than Arsenal did when Albamiang was there. Yeah. And like his tenure there. And and yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't feel like great about it as an Arsenal fan. But then again, I I doubt he really changes anything in this side. Um like he's more it's just like again, it would be I feel like similar to the Lukaku signing in the sense of like at the end of it, no one really benefited from it. I feel like he would be a signing that wouldn't produce as much as everyone thinks that he can produce. And right now in the Liga, like he like was producing pretty well for Barcelona from what I've heard. But again, in that league, I feel like the quality is not the same at the lower end and he again he was playing with some of the best players in that league entirely like he's playing at the you know the Liverpool of La Liga like there's no way that you can't have success like Memphis Depay is having success there not that he's yeah. not, not that he's a slouch but you know he went to United didn't play very well went to you know all these different places and, and ended up being super well I think it's just Aubameyang had the quality for being in the Prem I just don't think he has it anymore yeah I think this could work out potentially if they're smart about it and they don't give him like a four year deal on like three hundred K a week like he probably yeah. is gonna ask. I don't for think it. I don't think that would be it anymore. I think he's he's closing in on thirty three or thirty four. Yeah. It'd be definitely like a two year deal. And but I, I know he's still gonna be asking for that super large like wage bill, which just wouldn't be smart. Yeah. I'm not completely sold on it, but I also know that it's tough because when you're looking at it in the summer, we knew that Liverpool and city wanted an attacker. And we also knew that no matter who they added, they probably would find success. And that's been proven. Like Holland's already been scoring. Nunez gets a lot of chances in that team. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily feel the same way for Chelsea, in my opinion, simply because they have really good creative players, but it just feels like when I watch them, they always like, when I watched them and it wasn't the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup, it always felt like they were on the front foot but not getting the final ball no matter what. And that doesn't matter if it's Timo Werner missing a chance. Like, It doesn't matter if it falls to Havertz. It doesn't matter because sometimes that final ball just doesn't even come off. And I think Aubameyang's at the point in his career where he's mostly a poacher, you know, like a six-yard box kind of guy, like – he can add a little bit to uh, a counter, but he's getting up there in age, like you mentioned. He's going to want a lot of money, and I just don't, I don't see this working out entirely. Yeah, I, neither do I, and, and I, that's why I think it's just not going to happen. And Barcelona right now are just desperate to just get anyone off the wage book. They're doing everything in their power to, like, just get money to just even sign their players to make yeah. them eligible for like, just to play. And they're like offloading. I forgot the term exactly what they're doing, but like they're oh they're selling assets. Like dude, yeah, like, they're selling like, like Barca- future TV rights or something like that. Is yeah. it's a weird story. And this is it's like it's borderline. Again, it's borderline, like uh, like scandal. Like it, yeah. it's like it feels like it's coming, and like it feels like I'm gonna like see a TV documentary in two years on how Barcelona completely capitulated. Yeah, you know all their assets, and now Barcelona's in the second tier of the Spanish league. Like I, no, I don't know why. I'm with you there. Like, but anyway, regardless, Chelsea, I think would benefit from a striker, but again, the team's still super strong. Like on all like phases of the pitch, 
I just don't think they're strong enough to like, you know, they're not, they're still not pushing for city. Yeah. You know? And you can't really just plug and play at number nine. Like it has to be yeah. a good fit. Obviously we learned that through the last few years, yeah. but and looking at Kai Havertz now, he, he just, he, you know, he, he gets into like good positions. I, I just still think he's missing or, or maybe just even lacking the skill of just like putting a ball away. Yeah. Still young, but I do think United and Chelsea will both make, a couple more signings, probably at least one each. Yeah. It might, uh, it just might not be the people we expect. Like, that's true. Right yeah. That, that's usually how it works out. Yeah. I think that'll just about do it for transfers though. In my opinion, um, mm-hmm. I want to get into the match week two little recap. Um, yeah. We're still kind of like working it out, uh, ironing out how we want to do this because talking about every single game would get a little bit long and drawn out, but I think it is important to touch on, every game throughout a season at least a little bit just so we can see the trends and and see where certain teams are headed so i think we'll just start it off with uh villa two everton one this one was a pretty slow burner it seemed like um villa scored two pretty quick after the 80th minute and then gave up an own goal to make it interesting but still it just doesn't seem like frank lampard has has anything cooking really in my opinion yeah i think I, what were they? It was, I think both goals were put away in the second half, right? Yeah, yeah all the goals it were, was, were second yeah, half Yeah, it was, it was super late in the game, and I, I caught most of the second half. I was, like, on my phone. It wasn't the most entertaining game ever, but no. it, Villa definitely looked to be the better side. And you can see the talent that Villa had, but to, you know, get 2-0 up, and the game was done. The game was completely dusted. And then Everton throw on their new signing, Onana. And he, dude, from the 81st minute on, Everton just, like, woke up and, like, turned alive. This guy immediately made an impact, pretty much forced the, like, own goal from uh, Luka Dina. And, like, they almost looked like they were going to win the game. They had a chance, too, to – or not win the game, but at least get a draw out of it. Look out for this Onana guy. Like, he – I think he's going to, you know, be Everton's saving grace this yeah. year. He he looked very special. I think he came from – was it Lille or was it Nice? It was one of the French teams. Yeah. Um, and he was kind of a, like a surprise signing that we never really touched on. But no, the kid is solid. You know, look out for him and for Everton. Yeah, I, I like that signing a lot, and, and you're absolutely right. I saw a real funny tweet, though, that – uh, people are kind of thinking that Gerard and Lampard, you know, they played against each other in the league and now they're managers, <laughs> but they're low key like the Steve Bruce and Mark Hughes of this generation, oh, like, <laughs> like great players, great captains, all this, but maybe they just won't be able to pull it off yeah. on the, the managerial side, but yeah. we'll leave that for the future. Let it see. We'll yeah, move on to everyone. move on to our probably the biggest. No, maybe not the biggest, but the most exciting game of the weekend for sure. Mm-hmm. And that was Arsenal four, Leicester two. I think yeah. I got a uh, lot to say here. Yeah, dude. I think we both do. I'll go first just because I know you're going to be chomping at the bit for a few things. Uh, <laughs> first things first, the scoreline is flashy, but I can't lie. Like most of that game, Leicester looked pretty abysmal. And for some reason, like Fofana being back, Didi being back, like these people are back and their defense just still looks shambolic like it did last year. Like, for most of that game, they looked like they just didn't have a clue what was going on. The game was passing by so fast. And then um, Danny Ward, welcome to Leicester's number one shirt, fumbling the ball, giving it to Mark, or, uh, Jaka for the – I believe it was the third goal. 
Yeah, it was a third, yeah. Not a pretty sight. Um, still a lot to iron out. You know, you wonder how far Lester can slip before Brendan Rodgers' butt starts getting a little warm, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know. I, I know that Lester probably aren't realistically expecting a whole lot from the season, given that they've spent zero dollars on players to bring in and yeah. they're basically just like let's run it back two years ago when we didn't have injuries but you know you just start to wonder a little bit but i'll let you uh gush over arsenal a little bit <laughs> you've been needing this one yeah no this was um exactly what i needed to see to start out the season and this is what everyone i think expected um that was one of the best performances i've seen out of you know the arsenal that i then what I've seen, like, probably, yeah, ever since like 2000, maybe 15 or 14, since mm-hmm. I started watching our, that was an amazing performance. And, like, you know, the new signings of both Zinchenko and Jesus. I mean, Jesus, two goals and two assists. I mean, of course, that's going to get you man of the match, but just right. the, the complete different dynamic that he brings. Like, not only is he working super hard offensively, he is one of the best pressers on our team. And he, like, he makes everyone else, it seemed, like want to work harder. And you Definitely. saw that You saw that in Martinelli. He made Fofana look silly this <laughs> game. He, it was ridiculous how well Martinelli looked. And like I'm starting to think that, you know, I was thinking that Saka was like our best player. I don't even think that anymore. I think, I think Saka, he brings a really nice dynamic to the team and he's a very good team player. And I think he's like, He's got kind of like a captain's like play about him, but yeah. he might not have the attitude. But damn, dude, like Martinelli looked awesome. Jesus, you know, of course gets a man of the match. But the most impressive thing that I saw out of this game was Zinchenko. Holy cow, the way he bosses that midfield. Yeah. And the, like it was so interesting to see how Arteta played Zinchenko. And I see why now. Ben White plays on the right. And I wasn't really sure like how that was all going to work out. I know that we're kind of lacking at right back now because we don't have like a true out and out right back as much anymore. Um, and I guess you could say that Tommy Asu is an out and out right back, but he played center half as well. But yeah. we're playing pretty much a back three. And with Martinelli and Saka kind of playing that um, more up, excuse me, like, Got gas from this Dr. Pepper man. Hey, Dr. Pepper. Good. Sponsor us, please. <laughs> yeah, please. No, but he would sink in to that midfield. He would drift in further and further and just, oh my God, the way he just, it was like, it was almost majestic, dude. <laughs> the right. way that this guy just controlled the game, controlled the flow. Every time that Arsenal needed to slow down a little bit, he'd get the ball. But this team flowed so well. Like the passers were clicking back and forth. This was like 2012 Arsenal. Like, just yeah. the passing was immaculate. Everyone was on. Like, Xhaka – I mean, dude, we I've been screaming for Xhaka out ever, ever since pretty much he joined. Dude, yeah. He looks like he finally, like, understands. Arteta, like, this is, this is the turning point where Arsenal and Arteta are finally, like, clicking. Like, yeah. this, is, this is Arsenal – or this is Arteta's Arsenal. And everyone – I was – I was always backing Arteta. Like I remember, <laughs> I'm not throwing Dylan under the bus, but no, I remember a friend when, of the pod, Dylan. <laughs> when, we know when Dylan was throwing Arteta <laughs> under the bus, and like I was like, 
all the like AFTV was throwing our Ted on the bus and like even some pundits. And I was just like, I was like, just wait. Like there's a reason why he was under Pat. There's, like, there's, cooking, yeah. there's a reason he's there. He's got the signings he needs. He like, he's got the Man City signings he needs. This team is booming. I know I'm, I'm riding this high right now. I'm going to, I've needed this, but yeah. I know there's going to be a low in this season at some point, but damn, did they look good, dude. And you know, and yeah, the scoreline I think was a little. It, it didn't show the true game. Like Arsenal gave away one kind of poor goal to James Madison, and uh, Saliba had the own goal, but that was just a really like tough ball to handle, and he yeah, had to deal a little with unfortunate. it. And it was just kind of unfortunate, but like the effort that this team is finally giving, it just it it's so refreshing. Yeah, and, and just. Just wow, man! Like that's all I—that's all I had to say after the game. I was just yeah. like, I, I was—I wasn't happier after any like the. I think the happiest I've been before that was three nil at home to Man United. That yeah. was another, but the highlight that was this made me like proud to be an Arsenal fan. No, yeah, I was happy to see it, and it was definitely just an awesome game to watch all around. Just a couple last few things for me to throw in there. Um, I've been watching Arsenal pretty closely just because, you know, you and Dylan, who um, are my two closest friends who are super into footy, you're both Arsenal fans, so I've been keeping close tabs on them for sure. And uh, when that Saliba own goal went in, um, you could tell it was a new season and you could tell vibes were so much better because the whole crowd started cheering yeah. instead of, like, booing him off the pitch like they probably would have two years ago. Like. <laughs> Like, you can just tell things just feeling a little bit different here for Arsenal in this mm. new season. Whether it's the the recruitment, just the general vibe, it finally feels like there's a plan. There's, I mean, it's super weird, like you mentioned, but the the Zinchenko and Jaka partnership down the left where they basically just switch positions, like, in possession. Like, yeah, it, like it is super he, weird. It's weird, like, Jaka plays left back, basically, just, like, attacking the back post and... Zinchenko just kind of sprays balls around. But yeah, with Zinchenko, I forget exactly who the player was, but they were asked, it was a Man City player, who are the three most technical players at the club? And it was like Kevin De Bruyne, Cancelo, and Zinchenko. Like those are the three they picked out. <laughs> and you can tell it because it's like he's kind of like a pocket Kevin De Bruyne, <laughs> like his vision and all that. And you don't want to overhype it too much, but you can see why why they splashed 30 million on him. And it makes you wonder, you know, what other sort of talent is there at Man City that's not getting the minutes? Because Jesus is proving himself so far. Zinchenko is proving himself so far. Like, is everything that Pep Guardiola touches gold at this point? <laughs> it might be. But there is – Um, I'd say Nathan Ake right now is really making a pretty good name for himself now. He was bought, like, years ago. Yeah. Um, but he's looking pretty solid, you know, playing – I don't know if – Laporte and Stones are hurt, but I mean, he, as of right now, all I know is that he's starting over him. He's looking good. Yeah, but I think that's all I on. have for Arsenal and Leicester. Yeah, that'll do. Um, that's one of the ones we're going to talk about a little bit more. Onto one of the lesser, more important games. I think we'll just skip over Brighton zero, Newcastle zero. The big thing from this one is um, Nick Pope is a really good goalkeeper for sure. Yeah. I think Brighton had like almost two expected goals and he kept a clean sheet so props to him mm -hmm. newcastle will be a tough nut to crack for a lot of teams as will brighton couple couple upcoming but also we got city four bournemouth zero kevin de bruyne did his thing 
City will probably walk the league if that man stays healthy the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Southampton two, Leeds two. Leeds started on fire. A couple goals from Rodrigo, who is someone that I think me, including a lot of other people, sort of forgot about. You know, he was their big signing last summer, and he just never really panned out. Or was it yeah. the summer they got I think it was, promoted? I think it was the previous summer. Yeah, the summer they got promoted, I think. And he just um, – I mean, he was he was previously in the Prem, I think, before, but can't remember. He yeah, and he was just kind of you know there, and now he he's having a really good start to the season. Yeah, yeah, he looks good. Southampton, their new signings came on and sort of changed the game. Joe, yeah, Rebo, he looked solid. I was I was thoroughly surprised. Yeah, he looked good. Uh, that's about it for that game, though. And then we got Wolves zero, Fulham zero, another little bit of a snooze fest. I know. Shout out Jose Sa for. Uh, Ben's Premier League yeah, fantasy 15, team there. 15 points, man. That was big, tough. big shout out for him. He's looking like he's keeping his form from last season. Mm-hmm. And then we finally get to another marquee game of the weekend, and that's going to be Brentford 4, United 0. And for this one, I started watching it, and then I had to go over to my brother's house, and I was there for my nephew's birthday. And my phone started blowing up for this Premier League fantasy group chat we were in. And I was like, oh, that's a little weird. And then uh, halftime rolls around. I looked down at my phone, and it's it, it was 4-0 at halftime. And I was like, oh. So United <laughs> really are going through the shits. All right. Um, <laughs> just, like, there's performances that are worrying. And then there's performances that are depressing. And honestly, you can file that one under just depressing for United. Like, yeah. Like, it's one thing to lose 4-0 uh, away to Liverpool at Anfield last season and just be outplayed, but mm-hmm. it almost felt like they weren't necessarily outplayed, but just, like, outworked. Like, yeah. Like, Brentford just wanted the ball more. And granted, Brentford is one of the best, more physical sides in the league. Like, anybody in that starting 11 could body your strongest player, it seems like. But mm-hmm. just... Just to put four past United, I mean, what a day for the club. That's probably the biggest day in their Prem history by far. Yeah. Um, lots to take away for, from them. Big shout-out to Tony, who didn't even get on the score sheet. But, I mean, if you want to talk about an all-around performance from a striker, uh, that'll just about do it. And in front of a team that was that probably could use him, honestly, if anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know... We talked about it in the transfer roundup. United just seem a little lost right now. Is that what you're seeing? Like, is that what this result tells you? Because that's what it's telling me. I mean, yeah, the, I, I feel like even Ten Hag was lost. And, I mean, let, let this just be, like, known. This is coming from an Arsenal fan. This was probably the most spineless game <laughs> I ever saw from a team. Yeah. And this is coming from the Arsenal, like, era. Like, under, under Unai Emery. Like, this was embarrassing to say the least and you know oh man i can't even where do you even start so sandro martinez he looked way out of his depth he got pushed and shoved around by ivan tony in that front three like all over the place he looked lost that midfield had no clue what was going on as far as, and they're playing Erickson almost as like the the sitting six. He was. When, yeah, is he, it was, when was, it was he a pivot ever? Of him and Fred. It's and the weirdest I, thing. I couldn't believe that. That's what Ten Hag. He, he he's just lost for answers because 
Scott McTominay, like McTominay, you're probably only defensive midfielder you have can't complete a pass if his life depended on it. He is by far probably one of the worst midfielders I've ever seen play. <laughs> and I've seen, I mean, I saw Granite Jaka play, you know, when he first like started out here and I saw <laughs> I, I, like, this is Arsenal when they had Francis Coquelin, like I saw that shit. <laughs> like That was bad. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, the fact that Scott McTominay came on to like, bolster the midfield like just not to make it like make the game worse than what it was is mind-boggling to me like Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho are probably the worst defensive like mid like wingers in the league they do not track back at all they do not give a fuck Ronaldo (laughs) does not give a fuck like he does not care and I'm living for the fucking memes of Aaron Hickey just absolutely trucking him dude I like I am here for it I I I hate like I just I hate the manks and I'm like I'm all about like the shit and stuff, but regardless of that, like this team is in some serious trouble, and they're even looking at like replacing De Gea. I don't even think De Gea is necessarily like the biggest problem of that team. The defense is just he's definitely weak. one of them though. He yeah he okay he did have a he's an absolute game. dinosaur in the net like yeah. at this point I don't he know had, what whoever signed off. Was poor on Dean Henderson leaving and, and him being the number one again was just like, what are you doing? Well, I was hearing reports that he just, he didn't want to be there anymore because he like, they're pretty much telling him already. Like it, it was to Haya's job. That's what I'm saying. And, but why are they telling him that? Like, yeah, this is I one of the best young keepers in the league. It's just he proved arrogance, it I think. a couple of years in a row. Like they kept him as the number two last season for whatever reason. I don't know. It's got to be his arrogance or something, because I, I like I don't I don't understand it either. Yeah. But just wow, man! And you know what? Like, regardless of like United after this game, you know, and like I like United fans, like you know, I've been there. Like this shit sucks, dude. Like the <laughs> rebuild, like it it does suck. Yeah. But looking at the team now for Arsenal, like it does like get better, and especially. You know, with the amount of money that United make, I still they still be probably one of the top grossing teams in the world just because of their brand and like what they what they are. Yeah. But it, it's like from the top down, this team is just rotten to its core, dude. And they need they need a lifeline. And I think Ten Hag is that lifeline. And I guess just other than United, I mean Brentford, you know, they came into this game and you're like, you know what? Like Let's go like push these fuckers around and yeah. you know, let's get a result here. And that's exactly what they did. And and you know, that's what I think Frank has really installed into this team and and with their leaders, they're like, you know, with Norgard, a big leader in that defense, you know, Ivan Tony just setting the tone up front. You know, Mbuemo just the the, the tone the amount setter, of, that's lit. Yeah. No, no, seriously. <laughs> no, you're like, right. One hundred percent. Ivan Tony, the tone setter. That's yeah, lit. the tone, the tone setter. That's lit. Yeah, <laughs> Mbuemo, you know, the power that he has, and you know, it, Ben Me too. Throw that one in there. Yeah, Ben Me, and I, I, just, I didn't throw back. him. I didn't throw him in there because he is new to the side. But one hundred percent, his experience yeah. in the prem, like I, I guarantee, he stepped into that Brentford locker room first day, and immediately his presence was felt. Like, yeah, just because of. The experience and, and like, you know, the, the hard nose, like Prem, like, like he's like borderline Brexit, you know, but <laughs> there, there's like a difference between Brexit ball and just being like, you know, 
like setting a tone. Just knowing and that's what you're exactly doing, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what Brentford do to teams. That's what they did to Arsenal early week one of you know last year. That's what they do to a ton of teams, and that's how they get results. And this yeah. United team, you know, you come up against a spineless team, you know, Brentford are gonna do that shit to you. I've been there. Like I do, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, United fans, I've fucking been there, dude. Shit sucks. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a tough one. Um, big shout out to the memes coming out of this game. Absolute quality, like you, <laughs> you mentioned a couple times. Just some some fire memeage going on. But honestly, I think I think we said all we can say about United. They have another big test um, next weekend. But we'll just slide on over to Forest One West Ham Zero. How in the fuck did Forest win this game? Like. Uh... Yeah. It was it was one of the one of those games where you're like, yeah, the for, the the footy gods were smiling down on Forest because West Ham would have won that game 99 times out of 100. But yeah, awesome result for the for the fans there for Forest Park, the stadium, just electric. Tewo Nico, Nico Williams to Tewo Awaniwi, little Liverpool connection. Yeah, <laughs> don't tell me that they're academy shit. Don't, I don't want to hear it. Um, that's about it for that game, though. Chelsea 2, Spurs 2. The last of the big-name games. This one had it all, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is Premier League football heritage. If you could wrap it up into a game, you had shithouse goals. You had some absolute bangers. You had some crazy tackles. You had some some celebrating in front of each other from the managers. You had the, the fight at the end, but really this game just brought it all. Yeah. And pretty much exemplifies why i watch soccer in the first place but looking a little deeper than surface level spurs were really lucky to get a point here and to me this just proves that chelsea chelsea aren't necessarily going anywhere in the top four like some people think they are because this is chelsea without um you know their their big attacking signing that i'm pretty sure they're gonna make and this is spurs with everybody healthy and everybody fully buying into Conte ball. So I think this game did a couple of things for me. It solidified that I think Chelsea's still top four, and it a little bit hampered my expectations from Spurs just because um, I look at Conte and I see such a world-class manager and someone that can win at will, basically. Mm -hmm. But you got to remember, he plays some fucking atrocious football. (laughs) Like I always forget that. And then now he's at Spurs, who I already oh, hate watching. Yeah. And it's just almost vomiting. Dude, I mean, like, just this game. That's another game where you just you sit back and you're like, this is everything that you could ever want in a game. Yeah. Just the absolute back and forth. And, you know, I, I don't know, the theatrics of it all. It was... It was an amazing day, and like to start out the like the score the score sheet with fucking with Koulibaly volley off the Smash cross. Holy! <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm not high on this dude at all, and he just bangs in a fucking you know goal of the week, yeah, goal of the month, and I'm like, what the fuck is going <laughs> on, dude? But um, <laughs> regardless, I can't stop laughing because just I can't I can't stop replaying fucking them shaking hands and like. That was hilarious, dude. We need more of that. We really do. Well, dude, I don't know what match week it's, but it's coming back at least one more time. Definitely. Super excited for that one. Going to definitely be circling that one on our list. But um, I guess just more about the game. Again, yeah, I I did. I wasn't. 
again, I was so unsure of Chelsea. It was, I was unsure of how well they would be. And like, you can see the talent in that side. There's a ton of it. And, you know, they're still linked with Leslie Fofana, which I think could make that back line just absolutely like, you know, they would decimate teams like with just defensively holding up, you know, especially with like Mendy and goal, that big fucker. You know, he like it would be hard. It's going to be very hard to score against Chelsea if they get Wesley Fofana. Um, other than that, though, like Chelsea were definitely the better side this game. And, you know, and just how the game kind of goes, you know, it, the game, the ref, I don't remember who it was, but, you know, he let him play and he, almost, he let him play a little too much. Almost, quite honestly, yeah. the game got out of hand, honestly. And, you know, Spurs. Yeah, I mean, once they got Conte, I, I felt like we all kind of knew what was going to happen. It was going to be, you know, park the bus, FC, and, and just, <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. And it's going to be, you know, we'll take our chances. You know, we're going to have, you know, four shots in the game, and we're going to win 1-0. Like, that, that's the way that Conte plays. And he's an absolute tactician because he's getting fucking Eric Dyer to look good. Like, yeah. he's getting Eric fucking Dyer to look good. It's madness. And like, and it just like he has the Jose Mourinho effect where like someone like Regalon, you know, he, he was maybe seen as like one of their better players last year. He He's like, fuck off, dude. Like, if you're not going to play the way that I want you to play, then you're not going to play. Like, I, that was, that was a little word bomb right there, that. but like, seriously. Yeah. Like if you're not going to play to my style, you know, just fuck off. Like I'll sell you for 15 million. I don't care. And yeah. that's, that's the way Conte is. And I honestly, I like that in a manager. And that's what I respect Conte for is that he doesn't change the way that he, you know, monitors the game and the way he wants the game to be played. Yeah. But dude, I mean, if he, he's the biggest scumbag, like in, in the prem now, like quite honestly, he and was I hate it. Rent free in Tuchel's head though, to be yeah, fair. No. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard to be, it's hard not to be rent free in someone's head when you're literally going up to him and celebrating the first goal. Yeah. Like, it was, and you know, Chelsea had all the time in the world to clear that ball and, and the foul, Yes, that it was like 90 seconds after that it happened, but Chelsea had all the time in the world to get back, get solidified, right. and like prevent that. And Hoiberg, you know, great placement there. But I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm rambling on too much, but no, just you're all one good. last thing, like how Romero didn't get sent off for pulling oh Cucurella's hair. That was crazy. Shambolic. Like where is where is VAR? Like where was it? Yeah, seriously. That was. That was so madness, and that actually – that did change the game right there. Now, that should have been a certain red card. Romero should have been banned, not for one game. He should have banned for, yeah, like, three, three. three to five. Like, that is just completely unacceptable. And the fact that they got away with it and got points out of that game – like, I was talking to one of my buddies, um, one of my former coworkers, and he was like, dude, like, that's going to just ruin my whole weekend. Like, that game, like, just ruined it. And <laughs> no, I'm like, that absolutely I would, is. I would, I would be fuming mad. But as as just, like, a neutral to the game, I mean, I hate Spurs, and I don't necessarily hate Chelsea, but I'm not a, like, as an Arsenal fan, Chelsea usually had our number for many yeah. years. Um, just an outstanding game. Like, it, right. it really did have everything you want. I don't know if you have anything more. Yeah, you know, just like, last thing, in. circle any Spurs versus a top six game and just make sure you're watching that because yeah, that's just – Conte is going to shit house. Conte is going to shit house. Uh, Romero is going to break your favorite player's leg. 
Um, <laughs> Harry Kane's going to score some one of the scrappiest goals you'll ever see. He's going to claim an own goal. <laughs> oh, my God. I was dying when I saw that. So I was like, that came off Reese James, didn't it? And you could just see him peeling away, just screaming. But, hey, definitely some t- – Top tier, top tier prime quality yeah. ball to watch I'm, out for. I'm scared for the first Arsenal first <laughs> game because, like, I what a like, I don't know, I don't know how Arteta's gonna react. Like, I, I don't. Arteta know. was pissed at Klopp at Anfield. I don't know oh, if you remember dude, that last I, season. Oh my he god, was, I do remember that. He was fiery too. So I mean, hey, that's gonna be <laughs> yeah, something to look out dude, for. I mean, I cannot wait to you know they go to the London Stadium and I just oh dude, that game's gonna be fucking nuts. Maybe Arteta will bring out like a. A cardboard copy of Conte for training, like he did for "You'll Never Walk Alone." <laughs> he's like, "Here's Conte, just he's, he's running." He's gonna he put headphones like, in with Conte, like yelling at him. He's, he's gonna post him up on like what is that fucking thing? It, um, you know, like that camera where it goes along the sideline. It's like goes super fast. It's just gonna yeah, have yeah, him yeah. like celebrating <laughs> down the fucking sideline. You're like, this is what just you're getting ready see. for it. Yeah, this is what you're gonna see if they score on you. This fuckhead. <laughs> Just get the squad ready, but that'll just about wrap us up for that game. Phenomenal, phenomenal watch. Uh, that'll lead to our last game of the weekend. Definitely the most anger-inducing for me. That was Liverpool won, Crystal Palace won. I knew that uh, Liverpool were going to struggle with Crystal Palace because they're a well-set-up team, well-coached. I didn't think that the reason they would struggle is because the they would just self-destruct a little bit, but um darwin nunez is going to grab a lot of the um, headlines because he missed a couple sitters and then got sent off with a straight red card but big shout out to luis diaz that whole game running up and down the side i still think he needs a better partnership with robertson though they just don't flow as well as robertson did with Mane. but past that honestly when you see a 1-1 draw it's gonna be about the same no matter what like both teams had their chances Either one could have won, probably. Um, I think unexpected goals, it was probably pretty even. I think a draw was fair for both teams. Uh, Zaha missed a real close one at the end. I would have thrown a fist through my door, probably, with that one. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of noise around Liverpool right now. You know, two draws to start the season off. People are saying they're out of the title race. Uh, which they very well might could be because they've lost it now a couple of years in a row by like one point. So these are the draws that aren't going to work. Um, I will say, though, they still had like 24 or 25 shots, I think it was. There's still plenty of time to iron it all out. The team still has the quality. And there's a few players that are just lacking in form right now that will catch form. And I think I think they'll get it figured out. I'm not thinking that there'll be anything other than first or second this year yet but what do you see right now um i i want to be optimistic for liverpool and not because like you're a fan and like but just because the fact that this team has been so good under klopp and i and i know klopp has um you know a a big kind of like question mark this year as far as like where this team's kind of going you know and like this is like post mane and Mane, I think not everyone, not every Liverpool fan was aware of how crucial Mane was to this side. But like, regardless of that, just like the performance itself, it, it just didn't feel like the same Liverpool side this game. And it was a tough test. And 
would, but like, would you would you be saying that last year? Like Crystal Palace coming to Anfield, like, is that a tough test? I, I genuinely kind of question it, and not, and that's not like a slight on Crystal Palace. And you know, Patrick Vieira, like this result definitely, I think, solidifies him as you know a pretty quality manager, and he knows what the hell he's doing. And, you know, his, he knows how to set up his side against, you know, the bigger teams. And he's gotten some, sort of, like, shock results. But going to Anfield, I mean, that's kudos to Crystal Palace 100%. Like, to get a point at Anfield, that's super hard to do in, like, the recent years. Um, I guess just anything else was the goal was on Trent's side again. You know, it, it's still, like – he get, he gets a lot of flack for not defending and yeah it's hard to defend it's hard to defend him <clears throat> when all the goals are coming at the far post on his side no oh, yeah i mean there's there's a point there for sure and like and, and again at the end of the game zaha he was on that left side which would be the right side of, unmarked yeah yeah unmarked it, it, it could have been 2-1 palace and palace could have been walking out of there with three points um and I guess just the last thing is like Nunez, like he is, I, I still have a lot of faith in this kid. And I still think he's a very good like striker. He still could have had a brace that he, game pretty yeah, easily. <laughs> 100%. And he, he sows flashes and you know, this is, this is a landmark game for him. This, this is a moment for him to not be, he, he needs to be down on himself, but he, this needs to just be a learning point for him. And I, I think Klopp 100% like, you know, dug in on him and like really just let him have it because he was the pretty much the reason why Liverpool probably only got a point out of this. Yeah. It's only on him, but he made it a lot harder. And if it wasn't for Luis Diaz, which I'm still um, pushing that uh, Luis Diaz golden boot, uh, golden boot narrative. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's going to happen soon, dude. That's dude's quality. He's got, he's got what you need. I just don't know if, the team, the way it's set up, is going to do that. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway, regardless, it's a learning point for him. The season's so young. I mean, again, like we're only two games in, and and yeah, like we might be looking down the road, and it's Liverpool City again, and Liverpool, you know, need a win on the last day uh, to like solidify, but they need City to lose, and City wins again, and you know, you look back at the Fulham Crystal Palace game, and you know, like what if they got three points here, they'd be winning the league. Yeah. But again, like, you know, Man City, you know, they're going to have some hiccups. You know, they're going to play Newcastle away. And, like, you know, it's it might not be the prettiest game. And they might draw there. Yeah. And so I would I think, not lose I hope, I would not lose hope for point. anyone at this point. Like, everyone's still very much open. And, like, yeah. the, the league is very much open. No, I'm with you there. And I also know that. Man City, phenomenal team all around. Like, I think they could fill in, but I think the games where they don't have De Bruyne playing are going to be interesting because I know he hasn't played a full season in a long time. Mm -hmm. And I know that Liverpool also has players that obviously if if they were out, it would be different. But, like, it just feels like he's that guy for the team where when he's not there, even, like, defensively they seem a little off. It's very weird, but... Mm -hmm. Like the whole team just shifts, and and like you said, anything could happen. It's it's game week two. I'm not putting a stamp on anything right now. Um, anything good or anything bad for that matter. Yeah, I, it was just <clears throat> it was a poor performance overall. From I think 
kind of like everyone on the Liverpool yeah. side. That was uh, probably one of Andy Robertson's worst games. Oh my god, he was awful. He was yeah. just not very good that game at all. I think it's he's just lost because Luis Diaz hugs the t- the touchline a lot, forcing him inverted, like yeah. to play inverted, and he and just doesn't he, do that. He, he very much would like to go overlap, and yeah, he wasn't my, where Trent is more of like. He stays on the outside, but he likes cutting inwards. He'll do anything. Yeah, he'll yeah. do either or. So, but I mean, there's a lot to learn from this game, but I just don't think there's like much, like, I guess you'd say like gumption there. Like, there's like Crystal Palace are a very good side. People are high on them. Liverpool yeah. has kind of been sloppy coming into the, like, you know, into the league this year. I mean, they had injuries week one. I, I mean, it, it wasn't unthinkable that this would happen. Yeah. Whereas, like, maybe some other results were, like, kind of more outlandish and kind of crazy. So, still have yeah. faith with Liverpool. Something to look out for, for sure. I think that'll bring us to our week three predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have one more swinging after this, so we might just kind of fly through these a little bit if you're down for that. Yeah, I'm cool with that, man. So, first game up, first game of the weekend. It's uh, Saturday, 6.30. We got uh, Spurs versus Wolves. What are you thinking here? What do you see? I mean, this is the uh, back five matchup, is it not? Yeah. Well, um, Wolves play back four now. Oh, I guess, That's yeah, true. Kilman. Yeah, Kilman's in. I think, I mean, I was kind of low on Wolves. I think I got to go like 2-0 two, two here. I don't think yeah. Wolves are very strong. And I know, I think they just signed, who was that bloke? It was like. Matias Nunez from Sporting. Matias, oh, they're, no, I think Nunez was linked. But it I was think like, he, I think it's a, accepted, but like things are still going was, through. But yeah, there's another midfielder that they signed though. It was like Guedes, going Cal, yeah, Guedes. He's a pretty solid midfielder. I don't know if he's going to be in, like starting this game. I doubt it. Um, but Spurs quality, I think, yeah, two nil. Sorry, it went a little more in depth than I needed. No, to. no worries. Uh, I see two nil as well. I think it'll be a bit of a snooze fest. Um, mm-hmm. I think Son's itching to get off the mark. I think he'll get a goal. Definitely. Uh, Palace Villa. I see a Palace. Honestly, I, I think they might walk this one. I think it might be three one. I don't really wow. see a whole lot out of Villa, and the two times I've watched Palace this season, they look. Solid. I think I think they look solid, and I think Zaha's in the form of his life. Yeah. Um, coming on from last season, I see a three one. Yeah, I I think more two one. Um. Diego Carlos is a huge loss for Villa. He ruptured his Achilles um, Oof, last week. I He's out for that. minimum six months. Um, so that means that fucking big fuck Tyrone Mings is back in, which he was playing yeah. last week anyway. But yeah, no, I don't, I don't, not love with you know Villa's back line. But yeah, two one Palace. All right, Everton Forest. Uh, this one has one one for me written all over it. Uh, I got. One nil Forest. I think Forest pull off another um, worldy. I think penalty in like the fiftieth minute for Everton. You know, another Dean Henderson save there, just push Oof. on the narrative. So one nil like Forest. All right, Fulham Brentford. I think uh, Brentford two zero. Wow. Um, I like I like the form that our Fulham is in. Um, I think it's going for a draw, either one one or two two. I think Mitrovic will be a problem for that back line. I think because he's a he's a shit house player, and I yeah, think he really can be. I mean, you know, sometimes just a little bit of shit house somehow gets you over the line. I think two two. All right, we got um, what's next here? Leicester, Southampton. I think one one, pretty boring one. 
Uh, yeah, I think it'll be boring. I think, honestly, I think it's going to push on the narrative more that Brendan Rodgers is it fit to run the club anymore, maybe. Might be nil-nil be for me. All right, what about that? Uh, Bournemouth Arsenal, um, if you have Gabby Jesus in your fantasy team, I'd give him the captaincy this week. I think it'll be <laughs> – yeah. I think a 4-0. I think pretty similar to the yeah. Man City game. Unless Adam Smith um, fucks around with, like, Xhaka and gets him sent off early, I think yeah. the game might be interesting. But I doubt I doubt that man's going to be playing. He's more of, like, kind of like the shithouse guy you throw on, you know, in the 90th minute to – like get maybe he'll come on if Jacques is on an early yellow or something. Yeah, no, definitely. I think thinking three or four nil Arsenal. I'm really, I'm like, I'm feeling really good after that result. And like, put like Bournemouth after just getting shit on. I think it's just gonna happen again. Yeah, I'm not big on Bournemouth right now. I would say for the Leeds Chelsea game, I'm gonna go shock result of the weekend. I'm gonna go two one Leeds. Wow, a big W. I'm pretty high on them right now. I think they got uh, a lot of form right now. They're gonna be. At home at Ellen Road, I think Jesse Marsh is really going to be pushing for his first like mm-hmm. marquee staple result. I think it'll be two one. No, they've looked strong. They've looked very strong, but they've crumbled at some points. I think just finding that consistency would be important for them. Um, I'm not as faithful though. I think that they'll receive their first loss of the year. I'm going to go two um, nil Chelsea. All right, West Ham Brighton. I think uh, West Ham haven't looked too good this season. Brighton looked pretty good. I'm going to actually go a 1-0 to Brighton. Uh, I am going to go with that as well. I think Brighton, honestly, I, I think they're more – I think they're better ran and just overall I think just play better team ball. I'm going to go 1-0 Brighton. Yeah, 1-0 Brighton. All right, we got Newcastle, Man City. Potentially Man City's biggest test of the year here – or biggest test of the year so far, that yeah, is. Yeah. Um, I don't know, though. I feel like they're still just going to steamroll, I think, a 3-0 to Man City. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to bet against them, especially if they have their full lineup back. Um, I think it'll be close early, but I feel like just Man City's quality will just be too much for like Newcastle. I'll go 2-0 City. Yeah, and then the biggest names of the weekend – we got Man United, Liverpool, the one uh, most people are going to be looking at. At Old Trafford. Oh, my God. This is scary. I don't <sighs> it's know. It's a tough one. I'm actually – yeah, this is actually not as easy because – It's not as easy as it should because both teams are desperate for different reasons. Yeah, and more so just Man United. But, like, dude, that midfield's so bad. But then People again, are like, calling, like, 10-0. Like, it's not going to be that, I tell you. I'm telling you that much. Yeah, if anything, not. Ten Hag is going to park the bus. Like – I don't know, though. I think um, – why is it another Monday game? That sucks. Either yeah. way, I think Liverpool are off the off the mark. I think it's a 3-1 win. I think it'll be like a 1-1 for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping Salah takes a game over. I think – I don't know, though, because – oh, you know, I didn't think about this. Nunez is out. Yeah. Well, that means the goal – Diogo Jota. Is he's there. injured. He's he's, oh, he's out not. until like yeah. He's out for yeah. He's out another week or two. Fuck, dude. Who's playing? So striker? it's gonna be like uh, James it's gonna Milner be like... at striker, baby. <laughs> dude, that I be see it ass. now. <laughs> I think it's gonna be. It's gonna have to be Diaz, Salah, Harvey, Elliott. I think front three. So I don't know. That's I, not I bad still though. Like, I still think that's quality. And like you know, if Klopp's like high on any youth player, I mean I'm high on him. Like that, yeah, like, Harvey. Like you've brought me around, Harvey Elliott. He is 
he's quality. He is a yeah. very nice player. Tidy little player. Um, I think three one. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I think. Well, yeah, because everyone's like shit house and like bantering and whatever, like ten nil and whatnot. And the, the the quality of the two teams is still very large. I think from multiple positions. I still yeah. think Liverpool have a way better midfield. Their defense is ten times better. I think just as a cohesive group. Um, yeah, I, I'm thinking the exact same thing. I think three one for Liverpool here. Um, sorry to say, but you know you can't you can't come up against Brentford and just look like that and expect to like for me to think that you have any chance of winning. You yeah, know, and against, then and then pop back around. No way. Yeah. And especially in that short week and like they're already having like disciplinary problems. Like they, like Ten Hag had them run the amount of kilometers that they got ran on by Brentford. <laughs> like, what was that? It was like 13, 13.7 kilometers. Did you see that? No, that makes sense though. I mean, they did just get out. Yeah. He, um, they had like a scheduled day off after the game. He's like, nope, you guys are fucking running like the back to some of, high school vibes. Yeah, no, seriously. So, um, Morale, I think, is down from United. Um, but this, I mean, what a statement this would be if Man United somehow got a result out of this, you know, at home. Yeah, we'll see. Definitely the one to look out for. Uh, um, that'll do it for our week three predictions. I think our last little segment of the day. Um, I know you probably had this pop up on your TikTok or YouTube. People are going into um, their top 10 strikers right now. So I think me and Ben wanted to go ahead and do that for you. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to start with 10. I know that I did my rankings based off of like a combination of things. It's not going to make the most sense, but it's, it's quality and then how good they can be as well as a little bit factored into it for like the okay. first few, just because it's kind of hard to differentiate yeah. like, so like seven through 10 for me I, at least. I had some people like I, the way that I did it was like kind of like tenure in the league. But then again, it, like I look at my list, and I'm like, there's not much like tenure here. But like, again, it's like how good they could be, like. And I think this is like if you went down like the striker like list at the end of the year, this is where everyone would finish. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I'll start out. Um, so number ten, I, I, he's on his last limb here, but I have Jamie Vardy. I mean, this guy, like, he, he had he has all like he has a lot of quality. And I know, like, a lot of people were just like, well, he just runs fast and runs past defenders. But, I mean, the way he, like, the way he slots home, like, the football, like, it's it really is kind of, like, magnificent how he strikes the ball. Yeah. And he has a ton of quality. I put him at 10. Yeah, I like that shout. I put Kai Havertz at 10. Um, he's their striker for the team right now, in my opinion. And his potential is off the charts, but we just haven't seen enough of it right now for me to have him any higher. Yeah, I just I he he was probably like 11 12 on my list. I just I just That's haven't fair. seen enough. All right, for number 9 for me, I had Jamie Vardy. Um for most of the same reasons just because I also know that they don't have any European ball to play right now, so he's going to have probably a few more opportunities to play in the league than he did. Mm -hmm. Um he just bags goals, simple as that. Yeah. Whenever he plays, he seems to find the net. He has some crazy striker instincts, and I think he'll have another pretty good season. Definitely. I agree. I think this will probably be his last, like, solid season. Then they got to start looking for, like, Pat Sadaka and Kalechi and Nacho to start stepping up. Yeah. Um, but other than that, number nine for me, it was Callum Wilson. It was hard for me to put him this, like, low, I felt. I felt like he, you know, like, 
could go up to as high as like seven, seven or yeah. six. But I just think that the people in front of him have a higher ceiling than he does. And he's not old, but I just feel like he's only good for about 12 goals. I don't think he can really do much higher than that. And even in the past, he, I think he has gone higher. But I just think now with the team that he's on now, not saying the team's bad, but it's just not as reliant on him to just yeah. like keep constantly scoring. Um, so I have him at nine, and I just think, yeah, quality-wise, nine. Those are good points. Yeah. Um, moving on to number eight, I had Callum Wilson. I got him on my fantasy team just because I feel like when Newcastle are really get going in the middle of the season and they're playing these like lower half of the table, little minnows to like teams, mm-hmm. he'll be the one that pops in a goal or two. I think where he struggles is going to be against the bigger sides. Um, he doesn't seem like he would turn up necessarily against uh, Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely could be proven wrong, though. He'll probably score against Liverpool now that I said that. But <laughs> uh, he slots in for me at my number eight spot. Yeah, that moves me on to Alexander Mitrovic. Um, I mean, I think this is – I was – I think I was wrong on him. I think this is a year for him where he can really, um, like, just kind of make a name for himself. And he, he's always he, – I mean, like – to put what was it? Did he have thirty plus goals in the championship? Like, dude, that's fucking hard to do. Yeah, he was one to do it. And I, I know that, you know, the team around him always hasn't been the best. But I think this is probably the best Fulham side, as far as just like actual talent that he's like he's been a part of. And like you saw the quality in the like Liverpool game. And I'm not trying to base this on you know just one game that I saw. Yeah, but like to take into the account that in the championship, like they absolutely dominated the championship. Like there were centurions in the championship and he had 30, what, like 31, 36, like, like in between that range of goals. Yeah. Like it, that is madness. Like, and he has a ton of quality and like, he's got the mentality that you want in a striker. So I have him at eight. That's fair. Yeah. A lot of good points there. He's the one who missed out just barely. He's probably like 11, 12 for me. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. I'm also a little salty that, he scored a brace, but hey, um, we're going to move on to seven here where I put um, Ollie Watkins. He's a little bit of a tougher one for me to judge mm-hmm. just because he doesn't always play striker, but so far he's their main number nine. And I think he does a few things really well. He's, he's a lot more physical than people think mm-hmm. <clears throat> given his size. He's not necessarily the best finisher, but I think he's somebody that, a front line, <clears throat> geez, a front line can play off of and he can mesh well with other players mm-hmm. and bring them into the game while also supplementing some goals. Yeah. So that's why I have him where I have him right yeah. now. I think he's like the best, like one of the better, like linking strikers in the league. And yeah. he didn't make my list, um, but he's definitely, he would definitely be around like the 12 spot, I think, floating for me. Yeah. Um, this is where I put Banford, though. Banford at seven. Because this guy on his day is almost impossible to stop. Like, this guy yeah. quite literally could, like, really push Leeds into a, like, a new stratosphere if he can just stay healthy. He, and I, quite honestly, I think he could, like, make the England team. Like, obviously, he wouldn't start. Harry Kane is amazing. But, like, this guy could make the England team, and he's so good at link play. He can he can play the, like, but, like the back to the um, 
sorry, the back to the defender, like, you know, link up, he can turn. He's also very, like, he's quality in the air. He's like, you know, two quick touches inside the box. Like he, he just like has a lot of things that you look for in a striker. It's just like, can he stay on the pitch? That like, right. I think that's the biggest question mark. So that's why I put him at seven. Right. He's a player I really like. He missed out on my list, but for all the reasons you mentioned, he's, he's still a quality player. I just want to see it one more season. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give him too much just for that one promote, uh, promoted side season mm-hmm. <clears throat> that he's kind of been riding off of. I want to see a little bit more before Definitely. I'm able to give him that. Mm-hmm. Um, for number six, this is where we get into the territory, in my opinion, that it's a little easier to rank. Uh, number six, I threw Ivan Tony up there. Mm-hmm. Same I here. think just I think he's on. he's still one of the more underrated players in the league. He just ha- he offers it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you had him at number six too. Yeah, he like just like you said. I think he offers everything and the mentality that you know you want your number nine to have. And like I, I like I heard someone say it on TikTok or something like that. You think the dude's like six foot three, like two hundred and like ten pounds, and then you like, yeah. look on the look on the like. Um, like the page or whatever on the Prem page or like the Brentford page. And the dude's like listed at five eleven, like yeah, 190 no. pounds. Like no he way. just uses his weight like super well. Right. And he like, he just dominates games. Just a player that I feel like almost any team could use, honestly. Yeah. Um, I was super like, I would wanted Arsenal to sign. And honestly, I was like, yeah. this guy would like just bring a whole new dynamic to the team. Right on. Uh, number five. I wrote this directly after I watched back the Crystal Palace uh, Liverpool game where Nunez got sent off. So Nunez would be here, but I wrote Jota just because I was pissed off. Um, <laughs> I will say, though, a uh, majority of his goals last season, uh, he was more in form during the beginning and middle of the season for the team. Uh, most of his goals came as a center forward, though, because before they moved Mane into center forward, uh, with the acquisition of Diaz, he was the main center forward. Mm-hmm. And I still think that while he's more of like a false nine type, um, his pressing and his ability to find a goal, uh, his ability in the box, I think warrants him a top five spot. But Nunez would probably be here um, yeah. if I wasn't upset at him. Yeah, this is this is where I put Nunez. And like I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm upset at him too, but like this dude does have a lot of quality. Yeah. And like – you did see glimpses of it in the first two games and like you can see like, and I, I still trust like Klopp's recruitment and is like, there's also his Scott's recruitment. Like this guy does have a lot of quality. It's just like, I, I guess he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily have an attitude problem. I think he just has like a learning curve that he just has to get around. But right. once he like, <clears throat> once he learns a little bit more of the game and like once he like kind of like matures, I, like this kid could he could easily be like at some point the best striker in the prem next to holland yeah no i'm with you there they definitely got him for his potential i think i don't think klopp would have started him in a game had jota been healthy uh for the first few months honestly i agree yeah i think he was one of those players that klopp signed thinking that he wasn't going to play for uh play consistent minutes against big teams for three four months but this one the top four is really where i struggled simply because there's certain players in here that are in form right now and really in form. And then there's certain players that are out of form. Mm-hmm. Um, I put Ronaldo at four. I think most people would probably flame me for that. But I think at this point in his career, the three ahead of him just offer their team so much more. Mm-hmm. And I also don't even know if he'll be playing in the league, honestly, in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, 
he just what he offers the team is like desperation goals and for that to be a thing he needs to be on a desperate team so to me he doesn't really offer all that much all around mm-hmm. so i have him in at four all right i i have him at three but I'll, I'll just go up with my four and then i'll talk about ronaldo after i talk about who i have it for um, yeah. i put jesus at four i still think that ronaldo has like more quality than jesus you know all around like i think everyone would agree that ronaldo has the most quality out of any striker in the prem right it's just like again like you make great points about like what i actually provides for his team and like the desperation goals and things like that like he scored 18 goals and like you'll see like the like the tiktok saying like oh like i'm the problem it's like yeah like actually he is the he problem. kind of is yeah like like those goals mean nothing like those goals that got them like three points, like you still ended up in sixth place. Like you, you still went nowhere and like he provides you nothing on the defensive end and he provides you, you know, like minimal effort. If it's only like going to benefit him, um, regardless of that, I still think he's the third best, but Jesus at four. Um, I mean, I, I think, Arsenal really like stole this guy away from like city. And I think if there wasn't, you know, someone named Erling Holland at this point, Jesus would be the starting striker at city. 100%. And like he, he brings, you know, the, the dynamic that I think that people wanted Lacazette to bring, you know, at Arsenal and that he just didn't really have, like he didn't have in his like toolbox, like all these things. And for our striker to be able to pick the ball up 30, like, 35 40 yards out and to drive into the box like that that is something that we just have not seen since maybe like Thierry Henry you know right. not saying that like he's on the same level as him no but, I know what you're like, saying like it, it's just like it, it's it's a brush of, like oh, a breath a breath of fresh air for and sure so that I have him at four then Ronaldo three who do you got at three I have Jesus at three so we just okay. have him flip-flops um definitely a little bit of a recency bias thing going on for me right now but the main thing I'll add on to all you said about um, Jesus, which was all spot on, was that he scored a beautiful tactical goal, like a beautiful technique goal, and then also just a pure poacher's goal. So, like, just the fact that he has both of those in his locker, as well as the work rate and the passing and the IQ and the movement, um, I expect he, him to bag a lot, a lot of goals for the for the R's. The R's, yeah. Um, and then I'm pretty sure we're going to have one and two the same. I'm interested to see what order you got them in, though. Yeah. Uh, so I have um, Holland at two. Um, okay. Yeah. Same here. I just, I mean, he has a, like, honestly, as of right now, I think over, like, I know I just said Ronaldo is like the most skilled, um, I guess, striker in the Prem. But as of like right now, like the biggest, like, bag, you know, you would say, is Holland. I mean, the dude is literally six foot four. He's massive. He's great in the air. He's great on the ball. I know it didn't really prove it in the Bo- like Bournemouth game. He only had like what nine touches, and that's somewhat his fault, somewhat not his fault. I mean, they still got to give him the ball, but he's got to ask for the ball, and he's got a lot to learn. But anyway, regardless, like yeah, it, he's, he's got, got the, the biggest job back. in the league too, yeah, to be honest, for real. But like he also just like he earned his. He earned that job. Definitely. So, yeah, all in two, and then that that put Kane one. I don't what it. So you got Kane up. To, uh, I have Kane at one, one Holland two. Yeah, we're we're the same there. Okay. Just, and, just his all around game. 
Um, I know right now we're watching beginning of the season Harry Kane, which is like one of the worst strikers in the league, which is weird. Like sometimes he just seems lost at the beginning of the season, but when he heats up that partnership with Kulishevsky and Son um, in that team, he's like the perfect Antonio Conte striker. Yeah. Um, to think though that about a year ago, we pretty much thought he was going to be Man City's number nine. Um, it's crazy how things change in football, but mm-hmm. Holland at two, yeah, I think I think what he offers Man City is something they've never had, but at the same time is something that they didn't they almost didn't need, which is weird to say. Like they don't need a number nine to finish off all their chances, but he'll do that. And um, just the creative players around him are going to make him look a lot better this season than um, than a lot of other strikers. And he also has a talent, like you said. But yeah, Kane one and Holland two. Yeah, and I think just kind of to reiterate about Kane and like why Kane is the number like the best striker in the Premier League is because he's done it for so long. Yeah, and he's he's done it to like way better than anyone else like could. And like, you know, if some people think that Salah should be on this list, like I don't, I don't really necessarily know what you're thinking. Cause like, yeah, he like, Salah might be a better goal scorer than like Kane, but like there's a difference between being a nine and being a winger and like the yeah. different roles that they play. Like Kane is an out and out nine, 100%. Like if you put him on the wing, he would not be successful. Yeah. But like, I just like I have nightmares of this dude like against Arsenal. Like <laughs> yeah. quite honestly, like that that one goal. I think it was with before, the goggles on. <laughs> it, yeah, dude, that shit. Oh my god, when he goggles when he scored from like the angle of like he maybe man he was on the right side, like cutting inwards. And he looked like he had like I, I dude I don't even know. He probably had like ten ten like meters of actual like angle of the goal. Which mm-hmm. isn't like I, I don't I don't know fucking geometry or whatever the fuck. <laughs> he had a very tight fucking angle and yeah, he put yeah. it in again and it was against um when we had uh God, I can't even remember. Fuck it, dude. I hate this dude. I, I hate Kane, but he's the best striker of the Prem. Like without yeah. a doubt. I don't think there's really any argument about it. No, I'm with you there. And yeah, that's why I, I had him at one. So a lot of overlap in that list, but all in all, I think that'll give a good account of what we're looking for in a number nine for sure. Definitely. Um, that'll wrap it up though. One of our more winded episodes for sure. There's plenty to cover. And, um, I love just, uh, going into some of these games, looking at it, giving some banter, giving some hot takes. It was fun. Uh, I had a blast, but Ben, I'm going to send it off to you to see what you got for a little goodbye message. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, uh, not going to change very much, but, uh, I'll give it a shot. This is no ball podcast. I'm Ben. I'm Scott. Hey, you guys have a good one. Hey, continue to no ball, all right? We'll see you next time. (laughs) Sure. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of No Ball Podcast. Ben and I would like to thank you for your support and invite you to follow us on Twitter and TikTok at NoBallPod to give us feedback and send in suggestions. Catch you around.